One of the cool things about being alive today is that people are able to start businesses based on the things that they are passionate about. It's opened up a whole new world of business ideas and gives all sorts of people opportunities that otherwise wouldn't have been possible even 20 years ago. The rise of entrepreneurship has given us hilarious companies uh, such as Rent-A-Chook, which is an Australian company that allows you to rent a chicken before buying it to see if you actually want to raise laying hens. How about this one? The Petloo. If you own a pet in a place where getting to real grass is difficult, the Petloo by PetSafe offers a patch of fake grass on a tray that catches your pet's waste so they can continue to use the potty inside your apartment or out on your balcony. A quick search on Google reveals that there is a preposterous uh, number of companies that are beginning every single day. Some are revolutionary and offer real services and products that make our lives easier and safer and more productive. Other companies, not so much. So what's the point? Well, starting a business actually gives us a lot of insight into what makes change in our personal lives so difficult. Here's what I mean. Most failures in business begin when entrepreneurs don't understand what the customer is actually looking for. In other words, when there's a gap between what's wanted and what's being offered, failure is imminent. The reality is that, that people wanting to launch a successful startup must learn to respond to user feedback quickly so they can find their niche in a world full of business ideas. Eric Rise uh, has written an awesome book on exactly this topic and it's called The Lean Startup. In his book, he explores what it means to use continuous innovation to create opportunities for businesses to succeed. The same is true in our personal and spiritual lives. We can have all the greatest intentions with our plans and resolutions for this new year. We can even have the greatest goals on paper, but if we're unwilling or unable to evaluate and alter the way we reach our goals, we will ultimately fail. We'll be chasing a business plan that's not viable in our lives. Last week, we started this series called Life Hacks, looking at whether or not the plans we're making for 2021 are in line with what God is calling us to. And we looked at it through the experience of Paul and his letter to the Galatians. This week, I want to unpack it a little further by looking at the next couple of chapters and trying, uh, or rather tying it into where we find ourselves right now this year. If you remember, Paul was dealing with a church that had decided to abandon their new method of achieving salvation in exchange for their old system. They were a group of Jewish people that were trying to get non-Jewish people to accept Jesus and all the previous laws under the old covenant of God with his people. What they were failing to realize was that their plan was ultimately flawed because they were trying to move ahead by clinging to what used to work. Instead of learning to pivot and pursue Jesus, they were stuck surrendering to an outdated system. In fact, Paul considered what they were doing foolish. In Galatians 3.3, Paul writes, Are you so foolish? After beginning by means of the Spirit, are you now trying to finish by means of the flesh? He's basically saying, you started so well. You got it at first. You had the vision. Uh, you had the drive. But now you're just giving into your old desires and losing sight of what matters. The world is changing around you. And instead of changing with it, you're running back. You're being foolish. 
These are pointed words and they hopefully will rally each of us to look within ourselves and ask if what we've set out to do is being made unreachable by our unwillingness to change our approach. You see, last week we talked about partnering with God to ensure that what we're striving for this year is actually in line with what God wants for us. But once we've determined that direction, we have to figure out if we're getting in our own way. So let's go to Galatians 3 verses 19 to 25. This is going to be our focal point in our time together. Paul begins, Why then was the law given at all? It was added because of transgressions until the seed to whom the promise referred had come. The law was given through angels and entrusted to a mediator. A mediator, however, implies more than one party, but God is one. Paul is simply saying here that the promise uh, that had been made to Abraham about his family multiplying and seeing great blessing was promised because it was to make a way for one who would do away with the law, a.k.a. Jesus. And when he says that it had been entrusted to a mediator, he means that, he, he means that only God could fulfill such a promise. In other words, this is Paul arguing for Jesus being God. Just a quick side note, when you're reading scripture, sometimes it requires you to slow down and think critically about what you're reading because truthfully, sometimes uh, these obscure uh, passages are packed with truth. Let's keep going. Is the law, therefore, opposed to the promises of God? Absolutely not. For if a law had been given that could impart life, then righteousness would certainly have come by the law. Paul is just saying here that there's nothing inherently wrong with the law. It served its purpose. But he's also making a very important point. The law does not bring life. It only puts off God's wrath. Something else was needed to bring life. That's why God had promised a savior. Let's keep going. Verse 22. But scripture has locked up everything under the control of sin so that what was promised being given through faith in Jesus Christ might be given to those who believe. Before the coming of this faith, we were held in, in custody under the law, locked up until the faith that was to come would be revealed. So the law was our guardian until Christ came that we might be justified by faith. Now that this faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian. We have been given the unbelievable gift of an ability to have a relationship with the Almighty God. You know, my heart breaks more when someone tells me that they're spiritual than when someone tells me they don't believe in Jesus at all. The reason is because I know how much they're missing out on when you try to have a God with no relationship. It's crushing. How terrible must it be to believe that there is a supernatural, all-powerful being that is completely out of reach? To be that close to God without the opportunity to interact and to be welcomed into his family. That's, why, that's what Paul is dealing with in Galatians. He's saying that they had set out to know God more through the person of Jesus. And when things got tough, they simply reverted to old ways. And they neglected the ongoing work of adjusting their trajectory. It reminds me of driving a car. You can have a clear destination in mind. In fact, you might have a spectacular destination that you're driving towards. But without little tweaks of the wheel, adjusting your speed, and 
even taking detours that are unexpected, there is no chance that you'll ever get to your destination. The same is true of our lives. Maybe you feel like God has clearly given you a direction and a focus for this upcoming year. Maybe you're not quite there yet. But either way, it's going to take continuous adjustments and the willingness to listen and course correct if there's any hope of achieving a goal worth your time. Let's dive a bit deeper. In chapter 4, Paul removes his gloves and really lets the Galatians have it. Check this out, starting in verse 9. But now that you know God, or rather are known by God, how is it that you are turning back to those weak and miserable forces? Do you wish to be enslaved by them all over again? You are observing special days and months and seasons and years. Listen to this. I fear for you that somehow I have wasted my efforts on you. What a crazy passage. Over the Christmas break, we spent two weeks together in our home with our small family. And during that time, I got on my oldest daughter's nerves. I know this because one day she was clearly annoyed by me bugging her and suddenly she threw her hands up in the air and exclaimed, Dad, you are exasperating me. For those of you that don't know, my daughter is only four years old. Well, in this passage, Paul has thrown up his hands in exasperation. The people that had infiltrated the church in Galatia were trying to pull the people back into the clutches of the old law. They were trying to get them to forget this new Jesus thing and return to, uh, to the tried and the true. Here we read that Paul is fighting against this by reminding them that they are known by God. You see, there was a text circulating during this time period known as Jubilees. It was a letter that was composed to, to, to champion the solar calendar and it insisted that Quote, the Lord set the sun as a great sign upon the earth for days, Sabbaths, months, feast days, years, Sabbaths or years, jubilees, and for all the appointed time of the years. It comes from Jubilee, Jubilees 2.9. It was essentially insisting that readers should keep the Sabbath and feasts at the proper astronomically determined times. Something that Jesus did not teach and something that was not included in Scripture. In fact, in Mark 2, verse 27, Jesus is speaking to the religious leaders and he remarks that the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So Paul would have undoubtedly been aware of this text being passed around and he was trying to communicate to the Christians living in Galatia that they used to be enslaved to these cosmic elements through the law. And if they come back under the law, they will find themselves back under the control of these same cosmic forces. He's urging them to capture and internalize the reality that they don't need any of these extras because Jesus alone is the answer. He is the one through whom we're saved. Jesus is the access to God that we've longed for, and he's the one that we turn to for strength. But the Galatians had found themselves off course. They were wanting to please God so that they could be right with him, but what they were failing to realize that was without responding to these changes and course correcting, they were going to end up at a completely different and wrong destination. And Paul is showing them that it will not be what they have hoped for. So let's shift gears a little bit. Let's evaluate where you and I are at so far this year. 
Just a few moments ago, I acknowledged an author named Eric Rise, who wrote the book The Lean Startup. In his book, he outlined something called an MVP, or a minimally viable product. And in his book, he argues that businesses should be creating a product that is thought out enough to be introduced to their customers, but not so thought out that there's no room for improvement. You see, not that long ago, businesses were expected to bring a fully functioning, complete, and mass-produced product to market. It was risky because on the one hand, if it was well-received, you made a lot of money. But if it wasn't, you had invested so much into this uh, new product that there was no room left for changes and basically going belly up, bankrupt, was the only option. But with the rise of Silicon Valley and the tech bubble in the early 2000s, we began to see companies bring software and other products to users that hadn't been so well thought out. Some of it was intentional. But some of it was simply because people were just trying to get their products out before a competitor. But what ended up happening was that companies were offering unfinished products that users gave feedback on, and the successful companies responded quickly to that user feedback and ended up creating software and hardware that was uniquely suited to exactly what their customers actually wanted. So what can we learn from this? Well, just like what Paul was contending for in Galatia, we shouldn't be so quick to give up and return to old ways of knowing. Instead, we should be purposeful in our prayer and pursuit of what God would have us do. But once we have an idea of where we're going, then we have to be willing to make changes along the way. It requires us to be walking in step with the Lord as we go through our everyday lives. Let me bring this all together. Toward the end of chapter 4, Paul asks the Galatian readers of his letter, What has happened to all your joy? Paul, looking at what the church had become, realized that these people weren't happy. All the joy and wonder that had accompanied their early walk with Jesus had been replaced with legalism and a return to enslavement to the old law. Paul's heart was broken for these people that he cared for. I can just imagine uh, Paul penning those letters with a deep and sincere sadness that his friends and brothers and sisters had traded their joy in for something else. And friends, I think that Jesus looks at us in the same way sometimes. He must think, what has happened to all your joy? Why have you chosen to pursue the things of this world that are frail, temporary, and yet cost so much? You see, God has something for each of us. And it's a life that finds a profound peace and purpose in the truth of who Jesus is and why he came. It reminds me of 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 to 18. Rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. I love this passage because it's broken into three verses, and I think it's for a reason. Verse 16, rejoice always. One of the shortest scriptures in the Bible. God wants us to live a life of rejoicing. A life that is filled with a great joy and a sense that an adventure awaits. And I just ask you, don't you want to live like that? Now verse 17, another short verse says, pray continually. This builds off the previous statement and acts like an answer to the inevitable questions that surround this idea of rejoicing always. The only way that we can do that is by living each moment of life 
in a posture of prayer. Now, I don't mean always talking. Prayer is like a conversation. There are times to speak and there are times to listen. If we become people that have a continual desire to be in God's presence through prayer, we will find joy in all things. Finally, verse 18, give thanks in all circumstances. This is the next step to rejoicing always and praying continually. We must become people that give thanks in all circumstances. But note, it doesn't say give thanks for all circumstances. Instead, it's about developing a worldview that is grounded in gratitude. Because even when things are out of control and falling apart, we can know that God is still with us and that he's still worthy of praise. You may have set out this year to accomplish some great things. Maybe God has been working in you and showing you where he wants you to go. Maybe he's been more silent and you're not quite sure where he's leading. Either way, learning to make minor adjustments along the journey will help you move toward overcoming what's in front of you in 2021. Also, and this is far more important, if you're living a life that feels devoid of joy and hope, it might be because you've drifted away from the promise of Jesus and you're trying to do it all on your own. Friends, remember that Jesus has a plan and a purpose for your life. That he chose you and he came to earth with you in mind. You specifically. And if you're not sure what to do next, you can contact me or anyone on the leadership team to help you in this journey of life. You can also pray this prayer with me now. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that you speak truth in life and that you have a plan and a purpose for each one of us. God, for anyone that hears the sound of my voice today and isn't following you or maybe has fallen away, God, would you allow them to speak these words in their heart and in their soul? That Jesus, that you would become the center of our lives. Jesus, that you would become the center of my life. That you would be my Lord and Savior. And God, I turn to you now and I say you are king over my life. God, help us to see you move. Help us to realize that we're living in a time where it takes constant adjustments to continue on the trajectory towards being more like your son, Jesus. And God, I pray that you would walk with us and you would reveal your truth to us and you would encourage us as we take each step in this new year. We love you, God. Amen.